My God, follow that car, I shouted, pointing emphatically beyond the gravel parking lot to the road ahead. My friend Debbie shook her head. Uh, excuse me, you're the only one who can see it, she said, with a bemused smile as she turned the car onto the deserted road. It was October 1989. I'd been asked by Debbie, who worked with a local search and rescue team, to assist with the search for a little boy who had been abducted. Debbie and I had been friends since grade school. Our history together had familiarized her with my special way of seeing the unseeable. Having never worked on a missing person case before, I was reluctant, but willing to give it a try. The little boy, four-year-old Lee Isley, disappeared from a southeast Portland playground after walking to the store with his older brother. As Debbie presented me with the facts of the case, I saw the boy in a blue house. I felt certain he was still alive. At this point, I remained hopeful because it felt like whoever had him loved him. On the third day of my involvement, I awoke with a heavy heart and phoned Debbie. I knew Lee was dead. A day later, the news reported that his body had been found near a parking lot at Vancouver Lake in Vancouver, Washington. Shortly after she heard the news, Debbie called and asked if I'd accompany her to the crime scene. The FBI hadn't yet concluded its investigation, and she had obtained permission to bring me to the dump site, as the search and rescue team referred to it, before the park was reopened to the public. The FBI, you've got to be kidding. They don't work with psychics, I protested, feeling more than just a little intimidated. Who cares, was her glib response. They said you could come. Let's go. She was eager for the opportunity. I was not. Later, as we pulled into the lake's parking lot, continuing past the yellow crime scene tape, I saw, close to the tree line, a parked car which appeared to be made of plexiglass. I suspected Debbie couldn't see it, but I pointed anyway and excitedly asked if she saw it too. No, she confirmed. I told her I needed to walk over to the car alone and asked her not to be concerned about what she might see me doing. Getting out of her car, we were approached by two men wearing hats and jackets emblazoned with FBI insignia. We introduced ourselves. They seemed more amused than impressed. I excused myself and approached this mysterious vehicle. I soon identified the phantom car as either a Vega or Pinto, possibly blue, with wood-paneled sides. It was a hatchback. Stepping around to the back of the car, I found myself lifting the hatchback. I looked down and noticed I seemed to be wearing steel-toe work boots. I heard the word Freightliner. I lifted a large garbage bag from the trunk which I knew held the little boy's body. Turning, I carried the bag down a short path into the woods. After walking a few feet, I stopped and lay the body bag down among the dried leaves and pine needles. I brandished a scalpel-type knife and, horrified, I jumped back and the seeing stopped. Turning to Debbie and the agents who had quietly followed me, I described what I'd seen. The agents exchanged glances but offered no comment. I had been told previously by search and rescue that authorities were looking for a camper pickup. The car I had seen was unmistakably a hatchback, a Vega or Pinto with wood panel sides. I insisted that was the vehicle they needed to search for. The agents thanked me and told me it had been interesting. It was Debbie's and my turn to exchange glances. I only shrugged, let's go. 
We returned to Debbie's vehicle, and as we buckled our seatbelts, I saw the car again, pulling out of the parking lot in front of us. Follow that car, I shouted, pointing emphatically beyond the gravel parking lot to the road ahead. We tailed the car for several miles, twisting and turning through downtown Vancouver. As we merged onto the highway leading to Camas, the car began to fade. Oh, no, I groaned. What's wrong, Debbie asked. We lost it, I announced. She pulled over to the side of the road and turned to face me. What do you think? Does the guy live in Camas? No. I sank back in my seat and closed my eyes. I saw him abducting another child. I believe that he's going to abduct another child soon, most likely within the next ten days. I think he'll strike in Camas. We sat quietly, staring at the cars zipping by on the highway next to us. A Vega or Pinto, Debbie mused. I nodded.